When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back into the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey here with you solo today. Unfortunately, George is feeling under the weather. So we do wish him a speedy recovery. He should be back on the postgame pod Monday night after the Chargers-Colts Monday night game. But he will not be joining us here on the Friday edition of the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Again, our well wishes uh, to George and a speedy recovery. He is feeling ill. I hope the Colts didn't do it to him. I mean, we've seen a lot of bad football here. So hopefully the Colts uh, haven't put George in this state of feeling sick. But, I mean, a lot of us fans here, think we are in that state. But thankfully, at least three more games of torture left. Next one up, Monday night, Chargers and the Colts. We'll get into that Monday night matchup because there is some intrigue there with a roster move that was made earlier this week. And that was the fact that now Matt Ryan is benched for the second time this season. Nick Foles will start not only Monday night, but according to Jeff Saturday, he will start now the rest of the season. We will get into that uh, that idea, that decision. We'll just get into the Pro Bowl rosters that were revealed. The Colts did have one Pro Bowler, and there was, I think, just an egregious, egregious snub on the Colts. We get they've had a bad season for sure. I think there's one player that deserved at least Pro Bowl nod that is getting zero respect whatsoever. We'll discuss that. And since it is the holiday time, you know, happy Hanukkah to those that are celebrating that when they're missed of, of Hanukkah. Christmas is coming up here very shortly. So you figured, okay, since we're in the holiday spirit, Colts need a lot of help. If you were writing a holiday wish list, what three wishes would you put on that list for the Colts, whether it's this year, whether it's next year? I have three of my wishes. I'll tell you those uh, in a little bit as well. But let's kick off this edition of the Blue Horseshoe Pod by talking about the latest change at quarterback and that is that, again, for the second time this season, Matt Ryan's getting benched. Nick Foles will be getting his first start of the year for the Colts. And frankly, I don't get this move. I don't think it makes any sense. I don't understand why, if you're going to bench Matt Ryan, why Nick Foles is the guy. Few reasons. Number one, what does Nick Foles have to show you? Right, He's the guy who's been around the league a ton. He's the guy that's most likely will not be with the Colts next year. And even if so... What is he really going to prove to you in the next three games? You don't already know. This would have been a great opportunity for me if you were the Colts to play Sam Ellinger again. Listen, I'm not a Sam Ellinger fan. If you listen to this podcast from the inception uh, when we started back at training camp, first of all, thank you. We, we appreciate you. If not, if you come along the way, we are obviously are very appreciative that you have joined us throughout the season here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod. But in case you missed it, my, my feelings, and George echoed this as well a little bit, is we don't really understand the Sam Ellinger hype and love when it came to the Colts, uh, kind of rave about this guy. We've heard rumblings in, in training camp and how much they think, you know, his his how high his ceiling is, what he could develop to be. I mean, this is a guy they put on the 53-man roster initially while breaking out of training camp because they were afraid that he was going to go clean if they, you know, try to put him through waves and have him be, uh, be on the practice squad. They were afraid they were not going to have the opportunity to re-sign him to the practice squad if they left him out there for waivers. So the Colts think highly of Sam Ellinger. For, for whatever reason, I don't know why. We saw in the two games he was then thrust into the starting role against the Commanders, against the Patriots, how bad that that got and how truly far away he is. But for the Colts right now, look, it's obvious, right? Winning is not in their best interest. But 
even if that's the case, or even if you are still trying to win games, what does really Nick Foles have to give you? Like, I think to me, Sam Ellinger playing the last three games does one of two things for you, both in a beneficial way. Number one, it gives Jim Irsay, which seems to be the biggest Sam Ellinger fan, but also Chris Bowd, if he likes him as well, gives him another opportunity to see what Sam Ellinger can do the last three games. But more importantly, he gives this team the best way to lose the next three games. Look, it, it shouldn't be that hard to lose to the Chargers. It should not be that hard to lose to the Giants. That big game is going to be Week 18 against the Texans. You have Sam Ellinger quarterback. There's a chance Colts could lose that game. I think they will win it with, with Nick Foles at quarterback. But still, if you have Sam Ellinger being quarterback one, it at least gives the opportunity to go 0-3 down the stretch, which is, again, the biggest benefit for the Colts moving forward. But either way, like, I don't know what, what Nick Foles accomplishes. Even if you lose the next three games with Nick Foles, congratulations. Is he really the guy that, you know, is worth watching the next three games? Like, he gives you nothing. This is a guy that has not even thrown one pass in a game of practice to a, a starter on the field, which is, again, a good thing because you want him to be brusque. You don't want him to be very good. But it's the right move to, to, to bench Matt Ryan. I think it's obvious, right, with the – with the way the play has gone so far this season, with the fact that his you know his contract is guaranteed next year for injury, so God forbid if he was to get hurt, tear an ACL, hurt his shoulder even more, have another injury where he can't pass a physical in March, that's a main issue. That's a huge issue because then all of a sudden his money is guaranteed and that flexibility the Colts have uh, going to next season is gone. Now, again, if it's me, I think Matt Ryan should be the quarterback for this team next year, in part because I think they're going to draft and should draft a quarterback in the first round outside of Bryce Young. I don't think any quarterback is going to start week one. So if I'm the Colts, I would, yes, want to have a guy that could learn from an experienced guy like Matt Ryan. So at least to have Matt Ryan in the building playing for, let's say, most of the year, 10, 12 games until the rookie quarterback, whoever it may be, is able to play and able to kind of, you know, be comfortable enough to run the offense. That's a guy that I'm with them learning from. So for me, Matt Ryan, I think he should be a lock to be back next year. I would have him on the roster. And so that means that also you guys do some roster gymnastics with Nick Foles on a two-year deal. Sam Ellinger still on a rookie deal as well. I wouldn't bring Nick Foles back. I wouldn't. So again, for me, I don't think Nick Foles has anything to prove just because I think he gives the Colts a better chance, even though he's had zero starting reps with the uh, with the starters. He, you know, Again, Wednesday practice is the first time he's thrown the ball to Michael Pittman Jr. this year. So it's not like Nick Foles should come in and light it up. But I think he gives the Colts a better chance of winning than Sam Ellinger, which is an issue, again, when you don't want to win any games. And I don't think he should be on the roster either way with how he plays. Um, so I don't just don't really see the upside. I don't see the point of playing Nick Foles. Like, if you're going to bench Matt Ryan, which you guys is the right move, play Sam Ellinger. Give the young kid a shot. And again, just allow him to, to be put in a position where he's not going to succeed. Have him play on Monday night and not play very well. Have him go play against the Giants next week and not play very well. Have him try to lose to the Texans. Because I will say, even though on paper the Colts should lose at least two of the next three games, I can't sit here with certainty. Like, this is the same team we just saw race to a 33-0 halftime lead against the Vikings, who most likely will finish second in the NFC. Now I get it. The Vikings are flawed. Their defense is the worst in the NFL. But it's not like the Colts are hopeless like the Texans, where there's no chance of them winning a game. They should lose to the Chargers. They should lose to the Giants. Can I sit here and guarantee that they're going to lose? I can't. I can't because they should have just beat the Vikings. Now, again, for how good they were the first, if that's how bad they were the last 24 minutes of the game, so credit to the Colts, I guess, for finally coming back down to earth and losing that game against the, the Vikings in a historic fashion. But they were, in a sense, good enough for two, two and a half quarters 
to dominate one of the best teams in the NFL. I don't think it's crazy to think for a Chargers team that's been up and down all season long. Uh, I guess a Giants team that still is, is not, even with the win on Sunday against the Commanders, is not trending in the right direction at 8-5-1. and one. It's not like they do a lot well that where you go into that game next week and like, oh, Colts can't win this one. They have their work cut out for them. No. They have a chance to win both of these games. And so if I'm Jim Mersey, if I'm Chris Ballard, even if I'm Jeff Saturday, look, Jeff Saturday has to have some self-awareness and realize, I'm not getting the job. You blow what was a 33-0 halftime lead, signed, sealed, and delivered. You are not being the permanent head coach of this Colts team going forward here. So now it's all about like what me and George talked about in the postgame pod after that just debacle in Minnesota. 2023 has to be now the prime focus. These last three games, forget about anything in 2022. There's nothing to gain by trying to win these last three games. 2023, the future has to be the focus for this team. And so if you're the Colts, I think one of the best ways to focus on your future is by playing Sam Ellinger, not Nick Foles. Again, I don't get the point of Nick Foles playing on Monday night or any of the other three games. The only saving grace, I guess we could say, is that Sam Ellinger, when he was tapped to be the starter after the Week 7 loss of the Titans, he was supposed to be the starter for the entire rest of the season, the entire 10 games following, and that lasted two games. So even though the Colts declare Nick Foles will be the starter for the last three games of the season, do I really think he's going to be the star for the last three games of the season? I don't. I think we will see Sam Ellinger before the, the season is, is said and done. But with that said, I would just start him now. I would start him next, the last three games, have Nick Foles be the backup, make Matt Ryan inactive, which it looks like they will do the last three games, and just suck it up. Frankly, lose, 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 and play your way into a top five pick um, come draft time and put yourself in position to be flexible. Because that's like... If we use one word to describe the Colts this offseason, I think the one thing they have to be is, is flexible. You need flexibility when it comes to quarterback, where, again, Matt Ryan not getting hurt, which he's not going to because he's not going to play the rest of the year. If the Colts decide, ah, you know what, we don't really want to have Matt Ryan um, back next year, well, they have the flexibility to move off of that contract because his full contract is not guaranteed because he's not going to get injured. So that's where the Colts maintain flexibility. Now, sure, some of his contract is guaranteed for next year, but it's not totally killer if they would move off of Matt Ryan, whether it's just flat out cutting him, whether it's trading him. They have the financial flexibility to move of Matt, uh, move off Matt Ryan if they so please. If they want to draft a quarterback in the first round, again, lose the next three games and put yourself firmly in the top five. gives you flexibility to where if you want to take a guy that, I don't know, maybe they fall in love with Anthony Richardson or CJ Stroud, you have the flexibility sitting there number five where you can draft that guy and not if they give up assets to trade up. You have the flexibility where, let's say they don't like any of them. But that's the thing. Like, me and George have been resolute about this. I think they should take a quarterback in the first round. I would like them to take a quarterback in the first round. But here's what I don't want them to do. If they do not like any of these guys, if it's Bryce Young or Bust for the Colts, and they say, we don't like Anthony Richardson, we don't think Will Levis is very good, CJ Stroud we don't trust. Like, if you are not in love with any of these quarterbacks, don't take one. Do not take one. That's the worst thing you could possibly do is take a quarterback that you're not all in on. So you then have the flexibility for sitting there at number four or number five to trade back if a team is so inclined to give you an offer you can't refuse to uh, trip to get their quarterback or take the best uh, best player available. Because that's, again, the Colts with this roster and what we've seen, there's not many positions on this roster where you look at it and say, oh, yeah, they couldn't use an upgrade. Like, you go best player available. That could be a receiver. That could be offensive line. That could be a corner, defensive end. Like, there are so many positions on this Colts roster where you say best player available, they could go any which direction. 
to send there at number four, send there at number five. That allows you to take one of the best Camus prospects in the draft. And again, you don't have to trade up valuable draft capital to move up to get a guy you love. You have the flexibility where if you want to get a quarterback, you don't have to move up that far, or you can have the guy fall to you. So you don't have to give up any draft capital. And again, if you want to move off Matt Ryan financially, you have the ability to do so. So flexibility has to be the number one adjective when it comes to the Colts and how they should approach this offseason. That's why I like the move to bench Matt Ryan. It's the right one. That's also why losing these next three games, it's imperative. It's very important. It's very important for the Colts to be able to lose, lose, lose. And if you lose to the Texans, that's icing on the cake. Icing on the cake, folks. But for me, the best way to do that, the best way to accomplish going 0-3 down the stretch is with Sam Ellinger, a quarterback, now with Nick Foles. That's why I don't like the move. The Colts benching Matt Ryan for Nick Foles. I like the move benching Matt Ryan. I don't like it doing it for Nick Foles instead of Sam Ellinger. So fingers crossed, Nick Foles does not find any Philly magic like he did in the postseason a few years ago. Uh, and does not lead this team to a 2-1, 3-0 record down the stretch. That would be the worst-case scenario. We have a Colts team that is 7-9-1. Do not want – excuse me, do not want that. Want to lose these next three games uh, as badly as possible. Okay. So another thing I want to kind of hit on here quickly, um, and it's kind of an overall summation of the Colts season. The Pro Bowl rosters were, uh, were revealed on Thursday. No surprise. Colts had one pro bowler, but what I will say is the surprise is who it was. Quinn Nelson was elected to his fifth straight pro bowl. So congrats to him. A very high honor, but I will say I'm surprised to be honest. If you told me there's going to be one Colts pro bowler, I would not say Quinn Nelson. We've talked all season long about how bad this offensive line is. Like we've seen plenty of highlights, plenty of instances where Quinn Nelson flat out got bullied. He used to be for the first four years in Indy. He was the bully on the street. He was driving guys into oblivion, driving them to the ground, pancaking them, pushing them 20 yards out of the play. If you watch the blind side, right, Michael Orr, there was one, one scene in the movie where Michael Orr just takes the defensive lineman, drives him so far to the play, he, like, he throws him over the fence, like basically off the field. That's what I think we've seen Quinn Nelson do time and time again, or maybe not drive the guy into the stands, if you say in a, in a literal sense, but drive him out of the place so far where there's just no chance of that guy making a play. Quinn Nelson was an all-star. You rarely see highlight packages for a guard, but Quinn Nelson was that special in the first four years. But I think he regressed for how powerful, how dominant he was in the first four years in Indy. I don't think we saw that a lot this year. Now, some of that has to do with, I think, uh, around him being unstable, that Ryan Kelly took a major step back this year and was not very good. And obviously, as we know, left tackle has just been an absolute disaster. Whether it's Matt Pryor, whether it's Bernard Ryman, like they have had their struggles. They've had their, you know, in, in Ryman's sense, a rookie lumps for sure. So in a sense that, yes, Nelson's taking a step back. He has been dominated. We have seen him just get blown off the ball at times, which is uncharacteristic to see. But I think also part of the struggles were around him was very unstable. You know, you're trying to make up for, for Ryan Kelly struggles. You're trying to almost do two jobs at once, whether it's Matt Pryor or a rookie and Bernard Ryman trying to help them along as well. Well, I think that did kind of throw a cue off his game and did not have him, you know, be able to play his best football. But either way, I didn't think Quentin Nelson was worthy of being a Pro Bowl selection, but he was voted uh, voted in by the NFL. Coaches, players, fans, they have said, Quentin Nelson, fifth year in a row, you are a Pro Bowler, congrats to you. But I think there's two takeaways here from the, the Pro Bowl rosters being revealed. And that's number one. No surprise, but this Colts roster, we've been talking about all season long, it's regressed mainly. 
Go back to last year. This time last year, the Colts had seven Pro Bowlers. The Colts had the most Pro Bowlers on their roster of any team last year. Obviously, we know it did not end well. They missed the playoffs. So, really, what does that get you? A whole lot of nothing. I to have a nice little, you know, social media bump for, wow, seven guys are going to the Pro Bowl. Congratulations. doesn't mean much when two weeks later you lose the last two games of the regular season and you're out of the playoffs. But you look at this year, you go from seven last year to one this year. And it's not like all those guys left or were traded. Majority of those guys that made it last year were, were still on the roster this year, really outside of Shaquille Leonard, who obviously, as we know, was out for the year with injury. But I, I thought they also the interesting part is just outside of the regression of the roster was the fact that the Colts had five Pro Bowl alternates, which, number one, that number is surprising just because, again, you look at this team, 4-9-1, you don't think there's many guys capable or deserving of going to the Pro Bowl when the season's gone so far bad uh, and it's gotten so far off the tracks that you think, well, how the hell do they have five Pro Bowl alternates? But I think also the thing is the guy most deserving of making the Pro Bowl, the guy most deserving, I thought the MVP of this Colts team, the best player by far, it's Grover Stewart. Like, I feel bad that this is the podcast that George's on here for because George started talking about earlier on the year. This is a Grover Stewart stand pod. He has been Grover Stewart's arguably biggest fan this year. So Grover Stewart's been by far the best, most consistent Colts player this season. And the fact that he was not listed to the Pro Bowl, couldn't uh, Nelson being the only one deserving, he's not even listed as an alternate. The five alternates for the Pro Bowl for the Colts this year, you're Forrest Buckner, Zaire Franklin, Stephon Gilmore, Jonathan Taylor, Unique Ngakwe. Now, I'm not trashing any of those five guys. I think they all deserving, maybe not Jonathan Taylor, and I, maybe, I would say not even Ngakwe. But I think for sure, Gilmore, Zaire Franklin, DeForest Buckner, I, I think absolutely deserve some praise and absolutely deserve to be a Pro Bowl alternate. But you don't have DeForest Buckner, uh, excuse me, you don't have Grover Stewart, make of the Pro Bowl egregious, not even as an alternate? I think that's a major, major mistake and a major oversight by the NFL. I get defensive linemen, interior linemen are so tough to grade because look at the stats. There's no real stats that are going to jump out from an interior lineman that are going to say, wow, we have to have this guy in the Pro Bowl. It's not as sexy as stats or tackles for loss. But you watch Grover Stewart on a week-in, week-out basis. He just destroys every play, whether it's a run play, whether it's a pass play. Again, he's he's just been a dominant force inside, and he is constantly, I feel like, always either – getting tackles for loss, getting run stuffs, or blowing up a play where the quarterback has to flush outside the pocket or the running back, if it's a handoff, has to get out of the way and that play's blown up and Parker's cover suit and he may not get the tackle, but he's the reason why, you know, he was the disruptor on the play in order to uh, in order to blow it up. And I think it's just an absolute egregious, egregious oversight by the NFL, by the coaches, by the players, by the fans, to not have Grover Stewart voted in for the Pro Bowl or let alone be an alternate. And the three interior defensive linemen that made it from the AFC, Chris Jones of the Chiefs, Quinn Williams of the Jets, Jeffrey Simmons of the Titans. I think Grover Stewart absolutely has had equal or better seasons than any of those three guys. Like Chris Jones is a name at this point. And that's, I think, what helps. Quinn Williams, a, a number, th- I believe, three overall pick for the Jets a few years ago. And Jeffrey Simmons has made a name for himself as well in the Titans. But I think those guys, frankly, made it more so because of their name than anything they've done on the field. Because I don't think their stats, if you match them up, or anywhere near as better uh, than Grover Stewart's. So that, I feel so bad for Grover because, again, this is the most unheralded, maybe the most unsung hero in all the NFL for how well he's played, how consistent he has been, uh, and not getting the recognition for it. So, Grover, you're a pro bowler in my book, buddy. I, I'm sorry that this is – you're not getting the recognition for it, but 
Again, I think he's been the best Colt this year by far. He's been by far the most consistent as well. And I think if you said, hey, one Colt's going to make it, I would have said, I would have guessed, oh, Grover Stewart for sure. Embarrassing. It's, it's frankly embarrassing that he's not a pro bowler or at least a pro bowl alternate. But again, Stephon Gilmore, tremendous season. He's been great for the Colts. Zara Franklin, huge hat to him. I'm glad he's getting his flowers. And again, being a pro bowl alternate to recognize how well he's been because stepping in for Darius, uh, for Shaquille Leonard, look, obviously the one area that Shaquille Leonard um, has the biggest impact in, or really two areas you'd say that, that Zara Franklin just will, will never be able to love, uh, live up to no matter how well he plays. Leadership, right? Like you have Shaq Leonard bring that juice. He has that leadership. He, he's a vocal guy that he brings the energy. They just, it's just natural to him that helps the defense kind of play well. But also, too, the, he's just a turnover machine. He's just one of those guys that's a magnet to the ball, whether it's an interception, whether it's tips, whether it's forced fumbles. He has his own, you know, Shaq punch. You know, we have the peanut punch. We got to think of something that's, you know, kind of has a good roll to tongue as well for Shaquille Leonard because he deserves that kind of trademark name for how he's able to punch the ball out, but it really is like the peanut punch in reference to peanut Tillman, a uh, longtime defensive back who'd always punch the ball out. But that's, that's the two areas where Shaq really, I think was missed this year for the Colts in terms of his leadership and in terms of his turnover ability. But otherwise, I mean, sometimes you forget Shaq lands on the field because how much there Franklin was flying up and down the field. He has a tackle machine, top five in tackles this year. He's did pretty well for the most part in coverage. He's not a liability. He, I thought filled in admirably for Shacklin this year. So I'm glad he's getting his flowers there. Same thing with DeForest Buckner outside of Grover Stewart. I think he's been one of the most consistent Colts. He's been battling injuries all season long. Still, again, played at a very high level. Interior, the Colts were tremendous. That one-two combo of DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart. I mean, you go around the league, I don't think there's a better one-two combo, honestly. Try to find a better interior line combo than DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart. I don't think you can find one. Both are playing at such a high level this year. Both have been just disruptors, whether it's in the pass game, whether it's in the run game. They've been tremendous. So I'm glad at least DeForest Buckner is getting a little bit of credit. But again, I think De De Grover Stewart is, is the one that really got screwed here. Really should be a Pro Bowler for sure. Bare minimum Pro Bowl alternate. It's a shame he's not getting his uh, recognition, but... And Colts fans are well aware of his impact. And that's a guy that you absolutely cannot let out of the building. That's a guy that should be another cornerstone piece of the Colts here moving forward. But the last point I want to make here when it comes to the Pro Bowl rosters is this. I made no bones about it. I'm a uh, Chris Ballard defender in terms of I think you should get one more year. I think Chris Ballard, there's absolutely reasons to criticize him. I think the, this past offseason where he's preached about off uh, offensive and defensive line depth and strength, and to ignore left tackle, to ignore right guard, I think is a major, major uh, ding on the record of Chris Ballard. But with that said, I think he deserves one more offseason where I think I want to see what he can do now, address on the line. I want to see what he can do when it comes to the quarterback position where I can't fault him for being patient. I think being patient, honestly, is the right move because not a lot of guys with where the Colts were drafting, with, with their state of the team, where I think there, there could have been many upgrades over Carson Wentz or over Matt Ryan, frankly. If you want to say oh, you should have jumped on Justin Fields when he was falling. Okay, fine. I get behind that. Otherwise, like, who else are you going to trade for? Who else are you going to draft realistically that, you know, Chris Bell could have made a move for and didn't? Like, I don't think there's a guy out there. I don't think there's a guy out there you could say, oh, the Colts absolutely would have had him or should have got him, big miss by him. That's realistic. You could say Trevor Lawrence with the Colts never getting up to number one. They're never trading into the top three. So it's one of those things where you miss out on quarterbacks in part because they've you know, been either in the playoffs or around the playoff race, so you're not picking in the top 10 or even the top five like they are this year. 
So I don't think drafting a quarterback realistically um, was really an option for this team before this year. And again, not many, you know, tradable quarterbacks on the market were there for the taking. Like Russell Wilson wanted to go to one place, one place only, Denver. Can't hold Chris Ballard at fault for that. You know, Aaron Rodgers didn't get traded. Tom Brady, when he left, he was not coming to the Colts. He's going to go to the Buccaneers. Okay, fine. Can't fault him. Can't fault him. But either way, uh, either way, I should say, I want Chris Ballard back. I think he deserves one more year. And I think an, another reason kind of put a feather in his cap is, look, even for a bad season, you have six players that are either pro bowlers or pro bowl alternates. So Chris Ballard has done a job of finding individual talent. Right, seven pro bowlers last year. Again, six, five alternates. So it's not like it's like a crazy year, but six overall players, either pro bowlers or pro bowl alternates. He's been able to find individual talent. The issue for the Colts is putting it together and having the sum of the parts equal the whole. This year, for sure, we've not seen that as they sit there at four, nine, and one. But with that said, I do, you know, I think for me, the biggest way to change that is coaching. I'm talking about GM. I think the Colts, with the way this roster is right now, I think coach will make all the difference. So if you're able to get Jim Harbaugh to leave Michigan and come to the Colts, I think this Colts team can be competitive next year. Not playoff competitive, but I think, you know, we will not see them being 4-9-1. I think we can see a similar turnaround to Jacksonville. Now, I know that's the extreme example where they were 3-14 and last year and a dumpster fire under Urban Meyer. But you look at Doug Peterson, how quickly that's turned around, where they are right now 6-8. and eight. And I would, honestly, my pick with Ryan Tannehill uh, now out for the year reportedly, they're my pick to win the division. So I think you could be – you look at a Jaguar scene that is going to go from the number one overall pick to, I think, division winner. Now, they'll be, what, 9-8 and eight or maybe 8-9 and nine at best. So it's not this drastic, drastic turnaround. But I think they are – you know, the Colts will be good enough next year to have a similar turnaround where they could be – in an ideal world, they'll be 4-12-1, right? I could see a turnaround next year if you have Jim Harbaugh. They could be 9-8. and eight. Eight and nine, right around that 500 range. That's, a, I think, a good turnaround for, for year one. Whereas Colts team is. So, for me, that's why I give Chris Ballard one more opportunity. Because I think, for me, the biggest impact and what's going to turn this team around next year, it's not a GM bringing new players. They have talented players on the roster. It's now about how can you get the most out of those talented players. I think, for me, the answer is coach. Head coach. You bring in the right guy. I think that will turn this team around a lot faster than bringing a new GM is. So, that's another reason why I would bring Chris Bow back one more year. You see, he's able to accumulate talent. Now, he has work to do. He's got to get a quarterback. You've got to address the offensive line for sure. But he's shown an ability and shown a knack to be able to find talent, especially in the draft. I want to see him with one more year, what he can do. And again, I think for me, the biggest turnaround for this team will be head coach, not uh, not GM. So that's our little case. I know we, we talked a little bit on the midweek pod on Thursday, uh, on Tuesday, or I should say Wednesday. I'm getting all my days confused. I'm sorry. It's a holiday. So, you know, every, the, the days just all blend together. So if you missed that, uh, we talked a lot about Chris Powell's future. And if he's on the hot seat or not on our Wednesday pod, so make sure again, download, subscribe to the blue horseshoe pod. So you're always staying up to date with a lot of Colts content, even though the Colts stink, we still have a lot of content coming your way about offseason moves and the futures, of a lot of important players. So make sure to check that because I thought it was a really good discussion about Chris Bowen kind of laying out why his future is not as easy uh, or not as simple as you think. So uh, again, subscribing, downloading, you'll get all those pods uh, right there. Set with everything we got coming your way. Um, but for me, again, that's the latest reason why I think Chris Bowen should be brought back for one more season. All right, when we return to the Blue Horseshoe Pod, it's the holiday time, right? We're in the holiday spirit. Hopefully you are. Christmas is just a few days away. Uh, few days away. Hanukkah right now is in full bloom. So when we do return here, 
I have a wish list. Like, if you could say, Ryan, what are your three wishes for the Colts? What are your three gifts that you're wishing for this holiday season, for the Colts season, or for the Colts going forward? What would it be? I'll tell you that when the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns.